obviously I want my family and my good friends there, but do I need my, my mom's tennis friends? No. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was just a lot of people that I didn't know, like dad's second cousin never met you. So I, I think that kind of thing takes away from it being personal, which is what I was starting to feel. Yeah, I can't say I'm too upset. Welcome to Bride to Have Been. I'm your host, Emily Lewis. Like many others, I was a bride-to-be, planning to marry my best friend in front of our loved ones, our tribe of 150 people. Needless to say, the pandemic upended the Pinterest perfect wedding I had planned. From 150 to seven guests, I had the most unexpected dream wedding. But not all brides and wedding professionals have had the same experience. Join me as I uncover the reality of this new normal in the wedding industry. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bride to Have Been. Today, I'm excited to be chatting with Rachel Kadams. Rachel and her fiance, Scott, booked their wedding venue just one week before shelter in place. But like many 2020 brides, as a deadline for their final deposits were approaching, reality sat in that throwing their money towards their wedding was starting to feel silly. There were still so many unknowns and little hope that their wedding was going to happen in 2020, given the national COVID infection numbers. Rachel and Scott decided to cancel their wedding nine months in advance, but unfortunately, their wedding venue was not forgiving and the two lost out on their entire deposit. There is a silver lining to this all, but I don't want to spoil it for you, so I'll leave it to Rachel to dive into the details. Welcome, Rachel. Well, hello there. Thank you. Glad to be here. (laughs) So happy you're here. All right, before we jump in, because I'm angry at your wedding venue for you. Me too. (laughs) I really want to hear all about that. But I do want to take us back to when you and Scott first met, because I like to just tee it up for everybody of how this love romance began. So probably like 75% of couples these days we met on Hinge. I guess I was in the habit at the time to help me fall asleep. I would just swipe every night, would make me tired. And I remember the first time I swiped on him, I saw he was from the town that I now work in and where my dad was working at the time. So figured that was something in common, had a slight feeling his family would be patient because I'm in practice with my dad. And then I swiped right, went to sleep. And the next morning I had a message from him and we pretty much went on our first date and that was it. Wow. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Almost like a love at first sight. Uh, I wouldn't call it that. I think we just didn't (laughs) feel like (laughs) trying it out with too many other people. I don't know. (laughs) Took a little time. (laughs) Took a little time. How many dates did you guys go on before you were like, all right, I don't want to talk to anyone else. Or it was literally like that very moment. You're like, cool, I'm, I'm good. Let's just keep hanging out. There is no real set date. He did ask me to be his girlfriend when he was blackout drunk. So he didn't remember and asked me two months later. <laughs> they always find the courage when they're blackout I know, drunk. I know. I was really <laughs> excited. And turns out we weren't really dating those two months. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. The real question is, did your fiance tell you he loved you when he was blackout drunk? No, thank gosh. No. Oh. That would have been a big no-no. Minded. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the truth comes out anyway. So I guess it's a good thing. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So you met on Hinge. How long were you guys dating before you got engaged? Four years. Okay. A year into dating, he told me he was moving to San Francisco. (laughs) 
So he was out there for two years and then back actually for six months before he proposed. Was that tough with the distance? Yeah, we made it work, went back and forth, saw each other probably once a month. And it was nice because it allowed me, I went to Australia for three months at one point, which would have been a little bit more complicated if he was here. So I feel like we got to do the things we needed to do. And now we're here. So he went to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You stayed here. Were you traveling out to San Francisco a lot or was he going back to New York a lot? We would switch off. It was mostly me going there because I was a student at the time. So I would get weird breaks after finals or skip a day of classes. Not so big of a deal. Nice. (laughs) So he moseyed his way back to New York Mm -hmm. and then he proposed six months later? Yes, with a little bit of pressure. (laughs) Oh, put the heat on, right? A little bit. Sometimes they just go a little nudge. (laughs) So at what point during that four years and you're doing distance for two of them, were you like, all right, he's the one? We had a really intense first year of dating. And then before he left, we were left with the question, does he go out to San Francisco and make a life for himself there? It's better to be fully immersed. It's not good to be in a long distance relationship. So we were forced to answer that question really early on. And it just, neither of us, I don't think 100% expected it to work, but it ended up working. So it was a sign. Yeah. It was meant to be. (laughs) Just made you guys put a little work in doing the distance. That's power to you guys. It was fun. Take a vacation once a month. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. All right. So you had to give him a little nudge on the proposal. (laughs) Tell us how it went down. So we had gone ring shopping together. And I was only off one Saturday a month. So I expected it would be that Saturday off in February I was working out that morning and I put a couple of puzzle pieces together and figured out that today was the day. We were going for cocktails with his grandparents and that I needed to wear a nice outfit. So we're in the elevator going down to head over to Bryant Park to meet up with them. And I kind of just patted him down in the elevator (laughs) to see if the ring was on his (laughs) And he started laughing and we just gave each other the look and I knew that He knew that I knew, but it was fun. We were giggling the whole time and it was just cute. And both of our families were hiding in bushes in Bryant Park. So it was nice. Oh my God. (laughs) I can just envision you patting him down. Like, where is this ring on your body right now? He dodged just as I approached. So I didn't actually get it, but I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Was it in the box? Yeah. Yeah. He did a good job. (laughs) And you went ring shopping together. So where there are like a few options that you're like, here's three options I like, or was like, this is the one I want. I knew the shape and everything. And he had a jeweler. We went to the Diamond District in Manhattan because that's where we're based. So it was basically just picking the right diamond, but we ended up finding one. He wanted to buy one from this particular guy. So he told me to leave and I went home and I guess he stayed and bought it right there. (laughs) How long between like, him picking out the diamond and then him proposing. Was he leaving you in the dark for a while? Three weeks. It was not long, which is why it it was weird in February. I really didn't think it would be that Saturday, but it was quick. Yeah, Julian, I think he had anxiety about having the diamond on hand when he was going to propose. And so he picked it up the day he proposed to me (laughs) because he didn't want it. (laughs) I think he also was like really giddy during, I think he thought he was going to spill the beans, but maybe he thinks differently. Did you pick up on it that day? Or completely surprised? No. 
Oh my gosh. I was so surprised. I also, like my sister was engaged at the time. So I thought he was going to wait until after my sister got married to like give her the attention, her moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they waited, I think two and a half years to get married. So he was like, I'm not waiting for you guys to get married. So yeah, but I was clueless that it was happening. And even up to the point where he gave me the ring, he gave it to me in a jewelry box that he got like my new initials Mm -hmm. put on it. Wow. And it's his sister's initials. And I thought he was, he accidentally put his sister's (laughs) initials on. He's like, oh my God, open it. Like what? (laughs) Well, he pulled it off. (laughs) He totally pulled it off. Yeah. Very impressive. I didn't think about even looking or anything, but it wouldn't have mattered because he got it the day out. So, (laughs) okay. So you guys got engaged in February, 2019 or 2020? 2020. Yeah. Were you one of those girls that always knew what they wanted their wedding to look like? Good question. I thought I wanted a big, grand, a lot of people wedding. So we booked a 250-person wedding in this expensive catering hall. We booked the band. But now that it's turned into what it is, I'm actually much happier. I think I was just going along with what people expected me to do which I don't think me or Scott, either of us really are the type of people that want 250 people eyes on us, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's interesting you say that because I feel like a lot of brides and or just couples in general when they're engaged, oftentimes go through with a wedding vision that really wasn't theirs. It's almost like the pressures you get from your family, like you got to invite so-and-so and so-and-so and all of a sudden the guest list is 250 people. Right. And now not saying none of us wanted this year to happen how it's happened. And But the silver lining of it all is that you really got to do whatever you wanted for yourself. Now, if you wanted the big wedding for this year, then obviously you're going to be disappointed. Obviously, I want my family and my good friends there, but do I need my, my mom's tennis friends? No. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was just a lot of people that I didn't know, like dad's second cousin, never met you. So I, I think that kind of thing takes away from it being personal, which is what I was starting to feel. Yeah. I can't say I'm too upset. Yeah. So 250 and the new number is going to be? We're going to get married in February still. The original date, probably just with parents and siblings. So six. But we're going to eventually do like a dinner style reception with 80. Nice. That's a good number. Yeah. Much better if you ask me. Much better. Yeah. (laughs) From personal experience, your six-person wedding that will happen in February, we had nine at ours. And it was so special and intimate. I was so surprised. Obviously, everyone's going to have their own experience. But I was shocked on how well it turned out. And... I kept thinking about what is this about? It's about our families coming together. And that's exactly what it turned out to be. And that time that you get with your family on that day is, you wouldn't have gotten that on a big wedding. Like you probably wouldn't even talk to your family, your parents too much besides maybe the pictures and getting ready, but you're so overwhelmed. And it flies by. That's really beautiful. Yeah. So I didn't black out at my wedding (laughs) and turn off. Drunk wise, but being overstimulated by like, whoa, that just happened so fast because again, it was just so intimate that you really were like soaking up every minute of it. So I'm excited for you. I think you're going to love that whole intimate vibe. 
And where did you guys do your ceremony? So we did it in Santa Barbara at a hotel called Hotel Californian. Okay. Yeah, we live in the Bay Area. And so it's about five hours south of where we live. We kept it down there because our original venue was down there. We actually canceled. And then the vendors we kept, though. So we wanted to keep it down in Santa Barbara area. Okay. Yeah. You got a destination wedding. I got a destination wedding. <laughs> yeah. Julian's family and my sister and her husband live in LA. So it's much closer for them. But my parents are up here. So destination for us, it was probably like maybe an hour and a half for them. So not too far for LA people. Very reasonable. Highly recommend Santa Barbara if you ever come out to California. It's beautiful. Scott's brother actually <laughs> lives in LA. So. Oh. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So. It's interesting because you got engaged in February and Shelter in Place was announced, at least in California, in March. I'm assuming New York was March as well, right? I was dress shopping when we found out. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Cuomo, right? That's your governor? Yes. He announced it. How were you feeling? Were you like, oh, we're going to be fine by the time we actually are going to get married? If you ever met Scott, he's very, when there's steam coming from a boiling pot of water, he freaks out. So I was kind of like, oh, he's overreacting. So I was like, we'll just go home for a week, two weeks, whatever. But then obviously it snowballed and he was right to be overreacting. (laughs) His inkling was right. Yeah. (laughs) Full transparency with us. We were like, oh, we're in the clear. It's fine. I was worried about the people that were happening in... April, May, June, not us in the back half of the year. But What was your date? September 12th. And we still ended up getting married on September 12th. But yeah. What was your original date? February 13th. Oh, so you were planning to do it in February. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you still probably made the right decision because I don't envision this changing too much by February in terms of a large wedding. So Right. Yeah. That makes sense. At what point... Were you like, I'm going to pivot? Because you said nine months before you decided we got to call this off. What was like that point during shelter in place where you're like, okay, February 2021 is not a happening thing? Right. So the second payment was coming up. We had already left a huge deposit. We were going to have to put more money down. And we just looked over the contracts and it was like, this is a dumb move. There's never been a vaccine developed that quickly. And without a vaccine, there's really no hope. So we had to. Yeah. And from the conversation we had, it sounded like the venue was not super helpful in wanting to even maybe shift the wedding out or give some of your deposit back. It sounded like it is what it is. They actually offered to give us a backup date and do all that stuff or or move the date. But it was just silly. I mean, the reason we ended up booking the wedding for then anyway is just I have old grandparents. Scott has old grandparents. We didn't want to push it off and push our life off an extra year or whatever. And again, we were still going to have to make those payments and we were going to get deeper and deeper into it. So we're suing them now. (laughs) You are? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to hear about that. What is that process like? My dad had a midlife crisis at one point and went to law school at night. So he filed something in small claims court, but I don't have a lot of hope. It's a lot of people have the same situation and 
what are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I basically have heard so far that the only people, unless your venue, we got fortunate where a venue gave us a full refund, but I think we're a rare case because they didn't really do too many weddings. But we talked to somebody else and they had wedding insurance and that's what saved them. So if only we all knew to get wedding insurance immediately before this pandemic hit, because now if you look at wedding insurance, it is not even an option. It wasn't an option when we went to buy it either. Yeah, we looked right when the pandemic started and it was like grayed out. And I'm like, great. (laughs) We are SOL. That's a bummer. So how about other vendors? Did you book with other vendors as well? So the photographer is a cousin, so they're not going to dare do something like that. (laughs) But the band, we had left a 50% deposit. So they're happy to move the date. It's just a matter of they really don't want to give the money back. So it's another fight to pick. But they said, you know, if we do a dinner party situation, to have some instrumentalists playing live, that actually might be a a nice touch. TBD. TBD. Okay. Yeah. And are you thinking like for this small celebration in, in February doing like... No, no. That would be for the dinner party. For the February, we have nothing planned. (laughs) <laughs> we use our Spotify playlist. So uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't have anything planned either. We get it. All right. So we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, GiftPod. As you know, Julian and I still manage to have a dream wedding, even though we had to do a lot of bobbing and weaving to make it happen during the pandemic and ended up celebrating with just our immediate families. But of course... We did truly miss celebrating with our entire tribe. In order to give our peeps a way to celebrate us, we asked them to send audio recordings of their love, support, and advice for our relationship. The recordings were produced, edited, spiced up with music, and packaged as a gift pod, our own personal podcast that we can now listen to on our anniversary or whenever we just want to feel loved. GiftPod is giving every guest on the podcast a free gift pod and is offering our listeners 10% off. You can apply it to a wedding package or you can use it to give a gift pod for any occasion, a birthday, anniversary, or even a celebration of life. Go to giveagiftpod.com and use promo code COVIDBRIDES. All right, so... How did you feel when having to make the decision to actually cancel the February big celebration overall? Were you stressing out about it or was it a bit of a relief that you just had made a decision? Probably more the relief. It's still really hard to say, hey, I'm going to forego this huge deposit. But yeah, it was a little bit of both. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you keep telling yourself some people didn't get to go to their freshman year of college. Some people don't get to see their crush in high school every day. Some families have to spend time together and they haven't before. You know, it's just some people aren't seeing their families. So everybody got screwed over in one way or another. This is just our way. That's a good outlook on it and totally agree. It's like everyone is being impacted by this one way or another. I just kept saying, I'm just grateful that my close family and friends are all healthy. People kept asking, oh my God, your wedding. It's just a day. Like we, 
we're all healthy and that's what matters. Also, we didn't want to put anyone in a situation where we ask them to come to a wedding and then somebody gets COVID. It's, oh God, like we'd rather just cut this off, make a decision that it's just keeping it family. So that's a good point. So how did you land on the new plan so far? Because you're splitting it up. You're having the small thing in February and then you're going to do the other thing later. How did you go out planning that? We did decided we're not even going to have a party later. Sorry, mom and dad. I don't think you know that yet. <laughs> You're going to walk into a surprise party one day, I'm telling you. <laughs> and it's probably the case. But yeah, everyone <laughs> asked us, like, are you going to do a party later? And before the wedding, we were like, yeah, definitely, definitely. We just don't know when. And then when we had the small thing, we we're like, nah, we're good. <laughs> we don't need a party. I'm sure that's going to happen to me too. The only problem is I bought a dress. And it won't be ready for the ceremony in February. So I need something to wear it to. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it was it delayed because of COVID? No, I bought it recently. <laughs> okay. Okay. I bought it like a month ago, but the plan changed every day. We're done changing it. This is what we're doing. But again, we'll see if this goes on, hopefully not, for another year and a half. The dress is never getting worn. You should just wear it, like have your girlfriends over and wear it and drink some wine. Right. <laughs> at that point. And Scott could go out that night. He doesn't have to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because are you having a bachelorette celebration or anything like that? I don't know. We were supposed to go to Mexico in January. So I'm very reluctant to cancel that. Yeah. <laughs> just because that, that's what I'm really looking forward to. But I... I don't really want to put pressure on people to risk getting COVID. So we'll see. Yeah. Another TBD. Another TBD. I think life is a TBD with yeah. planning anything these days. Did you get to do a bachelorette? I did. I did. We did it in July, but the original plan was Austin. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think at one point, we were going to have over around 20 people have said yes or something like that. Wow. And then the numbers just kept reducing. We moved it to LA. We moved it to Malibu. So everybody that came was either in Northern California or Southern California. So we moved it to Malibu. My sister rented a house. We left the house once to go paddle boarding. So we were all distance on our own paddle boards. But I did have it, but only seven or eight people were able to make it, which I was still surprised. Like it was like in the heat of everything and it's still in the heat of all these cases. And so I was grateful that it all turned out safe and nobody got it. But I was very strict too. Like, you are feeling any way. Do not come. I don't care. Like, one of my best friends couldn't come because she thought she was exposed. But I was like, just don't come. Like, I'd rather everybody stay safe. And she's getting married next year. So we'll just celebrate at her own. Do it then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the smaller groups could be more fun sometimes because you don't have to babysit different circles to make sure everybody's having fun. Yeah, because when you have the big groups, you're like trying to coordinate, okay, like who's got this card, that card, and the other. And yeah, I feel like it was perfect. So hopefully Mexico is a happening thing for you. Right, we'll see. How's Scott doing during all this? I think he likes it. <laughs> I'm probably the one that likes to go out more. So he's working from home. We got the rent in New York went down significantly. So we were able to move into an apartment with an office. So he's, he has a nice setup. Yeah. Gym in our building is open. So he's doing okay. Good. And he's okay with the changes of the wedding planning? Yeah. 
he, I think he just wants everything to be canceled, but he just pretty much says whatever I want. He's pretty good about that. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I try to gauge how he's feeling, but he's quiet. He's quiet? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you run the show. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. All right. So as our final question that I ask every bride, what's one thing you've learned or valued through the constant changes you've experienced while trying to plan your wedding? The day is really about you and your future husband. So don't get lost in the sea of everything that everyone's telling you that you should do. There's really no what you should be doing. You should just listen to what you want and what's going to make your day special. Not everything has to fit into that whole ceremony and with a huge group of people followed by dinner, followed by dancing. It's okay to do something different and I think that this taught me that I really, I just wish I knew before I booked the venue the first time that I should have assessed what I really wanted. And I think everybody should take time when they first get engaged to sit down and think about it for real before making any moves. Such good advice and so true because weddings are so expensive. And if it's not what you really want, then don't please other people. And take the money and make a down payment on a house or build a kitchen, something that will go for longer. Yeah. You're telling me this. My my husband told me this whole time when we were doing the wedding planning, and I was definitely the person listening to everybody versus yeah. doing what we truly wanted. So right. I 100% agree with you that money can be used in so many valuable ways. And so silver lining, save a lot of money right now with these smaller weddings. Right. And they're just as special. Exactly. Love it. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I loved being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. And I can't wait to hear how your wedding goes. You'll have to keep us up to date. We'll send you pictures. Yay. <laughs> All right. Lovely. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Emily Lewis. Follow me on social media at Bride to Have Been and please send me or DM me your COVID wedding stories if you're interested in being featured on the podcast. Bride to Have Been is brought to you by GiftPod and produced by StudioPod. Edits were made by Notolab. Special thanks to Gary Oakland for providing this track. Subscribe, rate, and share with your fellow brides.